Well, hello there. Welcome to the Backhanders on this podcast. We will bring you the ins and the outs from the great game of tennis. We cover each tennis slam. We're unafraid to slam tennis. And with me, a man they call Catters. Or as they call him in America, Catters? What sort of a no-name piece of name is that? So Catters, how have you survived America over the years? Coming at me a little strong there, Lightning. I wasn't quite <laughs> expecting it. Um, but great to be with you, Lightning. And what a first week we have seen at this US Open. This Not Us Open. Yes. True to form. Ooh. And what a magnificent opportunity to talk to you on this auspicious occasion. Is it fair to say that this is the new Australia Day? Absolutely. Is it Australia Week? Absolutely. I don't know, but... What an incredible time to be alive and to have not discarded your Australian passport in favour for a pending Polish passport, Lightning. I'm feeling on top of the world. I haven't been this excited since Australia won the America's Cup Mm. in 1983, Mm. showing the world what we were made of, defeating the Empire. Ironically, that was the same year that Venus won her last Grand Slam, I believe. So... There's a real symmetry about the celebration here, but just stoked to be on board with Australia, knowing that in Serena's swan song, we were there to ruin it for her, just to (laughs) spoil the party, to stomp on her cake, and subsequently Maria Sharapova, who's suffering major (laughs) neck injuries inside said cake. And just to know that Isla... Fisher Tomlanovic <laughs> took her to the cleaners in the modern gladiatorial stadium that is Arthur Ashe. How many were there, Lightning? There's about 29,000 people watching the, the, the demise of an empire, really, as Australia took the reins from the States. It really is a metaphor, Lightning. I don't mm. think we should sell this short. I no. mean, the fact as well that Tennis Australia as an organisation have been playing the long game to undermine Serena and protect Margaret Court's record is nothing short of innovative. The fact that they were able to convince Isla to defer from Croatia, move to Australia, trained her up. They put some Aussie mongrel in her lightning, yes. which was great to see. She had fangs on the big stage. They even planted Rene Stubbs <laughs> in the Serena camp. Serena was desolate and needed some advice. So she brought Stubbsy in two weeks out from the US Open. And sure enough, she was a puppet for Tennis Australia Lightning. And Serena should have twigged when Stubbsy's advice was just, you feel like hitting a backhand? Try a forehand. You feel like hitting a forehand? Try a backhand. You feel like using that end of the racket? (laughs) Use the other one. (laughs) Baseball style. Club those balls into the stands. (laughs) You feel like doing some cardio? Go through drive through <laughs> She wasn't giving her the best, most sound advice. So Serena was truly a victim of an all-in strategy from the Australian public. And I hear that even 
we released the Baz Luhrmann at one point, trying to convince Serena to attempt a very ambitious song and dance musical set piece at a change of ends. But she was on to us there. Okay, a step too far, I could say. But just brilliant to see us bring down the mighty Empire Lightning. Oh, it was fantastic to see Anna. Anna? Isla. It, it's Isla. Isn't it? <laughs> Isla. It's, it's everyone's favourite. <laughs> Isla Tom Lanovich, or as she's known in Australia, Tom Lanners. She <laughs> has taken it. And of course, as a result of her thrilling match, Kat, is Australia has been dubbed the... Uh, the greatest nation of all time, uh, purely on the back of that win. So uh, Australia now known as the Note. Uh, we look forward to celebrating that in any way possible over the years that come. But because just to give you a little bit more context, we were saying as Serena started this US Open that she was there for the picking, that any stiff wind was going to knock her over. Mm. And yet she came into this US Open and played incredibly rose to the occasion. The fans got her going to the point where as the rounds rolled on, people began to talk about her as a legitimate chance of stealing a slam. So for Isla Tomlanovic to take her out, it was totally surprising. And Margaret Court was initially devastated when she heard the news, believing that no lady should take another lady out. And yet, (laughs) thankfully, her record remains intact and Australia remains the greatest nation on earth. What a great day, Catters. What a great day. Incredible. And I totally fell victim to this momentum that we saw with Serena. How can you not get caught up in the fanfare? You've got Oprah introducing you on court. You've got thousands of celebrities in the stands. You've got one of the most unbelievable dresses that I've ever seen. It looked like something out of a Disney film. I was just... I mean, I may or may not, after her second round match, gotten the old goat sack tattoo on the old bloke sack. (laughs) (laughs) oh it's at this point i'm very glad we're not in a visual medium cutters so thank you for that but to your point the dress an incredible thing we have known for a long time that fashion and tennis serena's brought them together and this year with her outfit she had a dress with 400 hand set diamonds i mean this was something incredible. She'd put work into the shoelaces, into the hairpiece, into every aspect of it. But the 400 diamonds, I mean, she's always had a thing for fancy dress costuming. And going as a mirror ball was very, (laughs) very effective, mainly at blinding her opponents. And that strobe light function that kicked on at one point was particularly helpful at crucial points during the match. But kudos to you, Serena. It was Something special. And there was all these other elements. So her skirt, Kat, has had six layers to it, apparently honouring the six US Opens she'd won. So all these elements had kind of Easter eggs and pointers towards various things she'd achieved in her career. So the the 23 capes she was wearing uh, during those (laughs) matches was, of course, in relation to the 23 Grand Slams she's won. So amazing effort, Catus, amazing. I was also fascinated by, again, your prophetic powers. You suggested she was going to come on in full emo gear And indeed she did. She wore those huge platform shoes onto court. Apparently each layer of those platforms represented the various souls of other players she's destroyed across her career. (laughs) Uh, So Sharapovas was in there. 
various low-level WTA players. So incredible detail, incredible. Yeah, Lightning, I totally agree. Just the symbolism and the detail was just beautiful. And to see her actually arrive on court with a diamond choker that matched her dress, just as a shout-out to her 2011 loss <laughs> to our Sam Stozer in the US Open final, I thought was a really nice touch. <laughs> Even just thinking about all of the Australians that have thwarted Serena's quest to becoming the greatest of all time gets me emotional. Mm. You know, I, I don't expect a lot from our country. I don't expect <laughs> our men and women to bring home the bacon. I just expect them to inflict as much damage on crime <laughs> empires as possible <laughs> and for that Isla Fisher gets a massive tick in my book so I just oh it's you yeah you can probably hear it lightning it's just it's oh it's it's <laughs> I knew I knew you shared my vibe lightning I didn't expect you to produce a flute and uh, proceed to play a solo on it which is not a euphemism <laughs> I've got nothing in my head. I'm just really excited and I want to hug the whole stadium. Well, it's time for our Come On segment, a segment when we look back on the week that was and, and consider what's really got our jubblies going, Catters. What's, uh, you know, got us tingling? What's got us excited from the first week of this US Open? Now, Cutters, it's been long touted that this podcast is the place people go for predictions. It's mm. been uh, held up as a place of prophecy. Our prophetic natures continue time after time to come to the fore and no more than this last episode, Cutters, when we foretold that this would be the not us open that no one wanted to win the thing, that people would go to great lengths to just get the heck out of New York and be anywhere else but trying to win a Grand Slam, and that has totally come to fruition. Mm. On the first day, my friend, there were five male seeds that dropped out, including Tsitsipas, Taylor Fritz, Buster Gut. So 4, 10, 16, 24, 30, 31, all gone within the first day. That was also followed by Halep, Katsakina, and Pavel Chenkova, all these seeds, before the thing had even started, had dropped. By the end of the second day, Raducanu's gone. The current US champion, Rabakina, had lost. The recent Wimbledon champion, Venus, had lost her false teeth. So if anyone has seen them, please <laughs> let us know. We'd love to get them back to her. Cutters, Osaka had gone. That This Cutters was just the second Grand Slam in the open era where three of the top four women's seeds, Conteve, Sakari, and Bedosa, had all lost before the third round. It was incredible. The lengths people were going to, the lack of desire to win a slam. We saw Anna Samova Catters playing with a broken toe, uh, I believe, because she'd gone to the lengths of trying to kick the bucket uh, just before the tournament and uh, hadn't completely succeeded and had to play the US Open regardless. John Isner broke a wrist. I believe. I have no idea how that happened. Can leave that to the imagination. I, I, I can only assume he tried to hit something other than a serve and his wrist <laughs> panicked and broke. Cutters, it was an astounding first week of tennis that, of course, leaves us none the wiser as to who is going to win the freaking thing. What, what was your read on what we were seeing? Yeah, Lightning, it was incredible. I mean, we called it early and I'm happy to take 
the credit for that. Um, and <laughs> happy for you to cheer me on from the sidelines, as you tend to do. <laughs> but, Lightning, I think we can still see Tennis Australia's fingerprints all over this. Because Anna Samova, for example... Breaks a toe. I mean, when she also employs Renee Stubbs as her coach, what do you really expect to happen? <laughs> She'd gone through the appropriate initiation rites. <laughs> stub on, stub off. <laughs> I did notice too that some of the players coached by uh, our Paddy Cash were actually also getting quite wealthy. So I'm. And uh, also, a lot of players looked quite loose that were coached by Wally Masua. Uh, <laughs> I saw a lot of other players that were looking quite loose that were coached by Cat Pash. So, <laughs> so I just think you got to do your due diligence when sitting at the feet of these mentors. And John Isner Lightning, great point. I mean, something we've never heard when referring to a John Isner match, ironically. But just <laughs> the bigger issue was I saw the ground staff in tears. They they were more concerned about the cracks that had developed <laughs> as a result of a fall from that height. I think there were tremors felt in the New Jersey area. <laughs> Lightning, very much in keeping with this theme, my excitement surrounds Rafa Nadal. I mean, he is the grand master manipulator of both the men's and women's tour. The fact that this guy can rock up struggling with a major abdominal injury, staggering his way through the early rounds, looking pretty rubbish, all things considered. Absolutely. And then in his... Third round match against Fabio, I probably chose the wrong career, Fanini. <laughs> he manages to crack a shot and then in his follow through, rebound his racket off the surface up into his nose. Mm. And it looked painful. Mm. And straight away, he knew he was in trouble, mm. Lightning. He had to walk to his chair, get patched up. He was bleeding everywhere. Mm. It was not a good look. It looked nasty. And, mm. uh, Classic rope dope from Rafa. Well, I should have seen this coming, well, given the fact that every time I reference him in our text message exchanges, autocorrect changes him to nasal, which is now vindicated. <laughs> and James Duckworth is suffering a similar fate. <laughs> an incredible forethought from the man to create an injury for the next tournament so that he can have a nose job surgery. Uh, and have that as the distraction is very impressive. It is, isn't it? I saw him later that night just beating himself up in the car park, a la Edward Norton in Fight Club. I mean, it was never wise playing directly after John Isner on that court. I mean, a, a racket was bound to bounce up off some of those cracks. So this is actually getting painful, Lightning. I mean, can we just strike an agreement with Rafa whereby we say, mate, it's fine. We don't expect you to win the tournament. You don't need to just, you know, he's doing the boxer's rope-a-dope to the limits now where he's getting boxer injuries. This is the problem. He looks like Rocky Balboa. <laughs> but it does explain why Wally Masua was in his corner giving him that rub down. So. But of course, Kat, the classic thing was there's a limit 
to how much Nadal is prepared to play that not us, not me kind of strategy. Because, of course, it was all going swimmingly. He'd looked rubbish for the entire tournament, only to stumble in the draw over Richard Gasquet, little <laughs> Richie Gasquet, who he had a 17-0 and zero record against. Because, of course, Gutters, he even starts rope-a-doping. He let Gasquet have three break points. First game of the match, love 40 against him. He then reeled off the next five points and all six games to bagel the first set and absolutely pants Richie Gasquet, taking their record to 18-0. and zero. It's brilliant. So there is a limit to the not-us theory when it comes to Nadal. We found it. We found the one Achilles heel in the man's career. Cutters, I love that Richie Gasquet story. Apparently, they grew up in juniors together, and Gasquet beat him when they were 12. And Natal took that little <laughs> loss, and ever since then, has won 18 0. So, Gasquet, in that entire 18 match stretch, has only won four sets, the last one being in 2008, which means Natal has won 24 consecutive sets. Is unbelievable. So there you go. Now the greatest head-to-head win-loss ratio of all time. Wow. And I hate to put a negative spin on things, Lightning, because you know I love the French, hmm. but old Richie boy has really screwed up this predictions momentum we had, Lightning. It's, it's as if this finely tuned, not us predictions machine has blown a gasket. <laughs> she go out of the court on a chair and, and now she's in the locker perfect in the restaurant so I, I don't like these things I'm sorry I don't think she did a, a good attitude on court I didn't like that so a good job for her if you want to do like that it's a good job but I, I'm bad because was hurting me and make me angry so well done for her Cutters, now time for our Fed Up and Poo Down segments who's rising who's falling and Cutters we have already touched on the best example of this so far and that is the rising the nation of Australia and the fall, the crumbling of the nation that formerly was the United States of America. I talk, of course, of the first round doubles encounter. You're all thinking it, listeners. <laughs> and it was, of course, between our Aussie Daria Saville, and she was teaming up with Layla Fernandez, who were playing against Jessica Pagula and Coco Goff, or being doubles, she was, of course, playing with Coco Goff Goff. Now, Cutter's <laughs> The game was tied. It went down to a super tiebreak and in said super tiebreak when tensions were high, it was a moment for me that just demonstrated the extent Australians are prepared to go to to win. At 7-5 in the super Super tiebreak, a lob is thrown up to a waiting Coco Goff Goff who is putting it away with the easiest slam you've ever seen only for a napkin at the far rear of the court to float onto the court, at which point Daria Saville throws up her hands, says, ah, ah, ah. and of course, by letter of the law, the umpire needs to call a let. Points cancelled, replayed. The Australian takes that point and ends up going on to win the match 10-7 in the super tiebreak. An amazing moment, Cutters. So for me, a moment that just highlights the sheer brilliance of Australians, the sheer courage of Australians and the organisational prowess for Saville to speak to Lenny at the smoothie stands and to organise him to be sitting in the front row 
And this year, you're allowed coaching in the stands, and they never said you couldn't also throw inanimate objects onto the court either. So an incredible moment, Catters. Brilliant lightning, and I think it's just great that common sense prevailed, and they called a let and play a second serviette. (laughs) (laughs) Which confused the buggery out of the players. (laughs) Problem was that... Savile and Fernandez, which sounds like a law firm you don't want to f*** with, had accidentally booked an amateur magician as the uh, coaching advice. And so there's rabbits running around the stands, but the bigger problem is there's a lot of silk scarves that are just finding their way across the baseline at the most inopportune moments. They just wanted their coach to help them pull a rabbit out of the hat, but uh, instead it was a silk scarf. His attempt to saw a ball girl in half at the change of ends was frowned upon by many in the stands. And cutters for my poo down, for me, it was the scheduling of a match between Fuxovics and Davidovich Fakina. And the reason being, it was it was on at a not a particularly family friendly time cut. As I was attempting to watch it with my kids, and I just I couldn't even watch the highlights. It was just bleeping <laughs> left, right, and centre. I thought the uh, the Hawkeye had been malfunctioning, but no, it was problematic. I couldn't tell who had the advantage. It was like watching a curious match. It was just beeps and all sorts of stuff. So for the fuck Soviks and Davidovich Fakina, uh, you get my. <laughs> Poo down. Oh, but thank you for letting me get that out of my system. Catters, you're fed up and you're poo down. Lightning, my fed up is retirees. Right. I love when we can see new generations emerging and the old dead wood burnt in a giant bonfire <laughs> down at the end of the property. And I'm such a sentimental guy, as you can see. And in this case, Elisa Cornet who has been around for quite some time. In fact, I believe she's Mm. playing in her 63rd consecutive Grand Slam tournament, Lightning, which is just a phenomenal achievement. More slams than Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania. I mean, (laughs) unfortunately, also more early exits than a Catholic couple (laughs) pre-marriage. But... I love the the spunk. I love <laughs> I love the get up and go. Hang on, of- are we talking about those Catholic couples? Or are we- <laughs> Sorry, Lightning. I'm confused. When I paint a picture, Lightning, I I find it hard to not put the final visual details on it. But that too to the bonfire at once. Um, but Elisa Cornet just giving it a crack like seriously have a go you know she's never been that great but i love the idea that these frenchies that have just clogged up our drawers for so long gasquet cornet mute they're all pawns or porne as i'm sure they would love you to refer to it but who are you kidding you're Gasquet, Cornet, Mutet. You're not that exotic and you're definitely not that good at tennis. So the quicker we can move these players on, the better. And so when I said retirees, it was also kind of the secret power of positive thinking. So I know that 
Gasquet has a few tournaments left in him and Mute's probably got about a decade left in him. But if I could just encourage some of these oversized baguettes that are blocking the pipeline to success. <laughs> You're really wanting them to become a poo down in this. <laughs> Quite possibly. So that leads very nicely to my poo down. What a positive fed up that was so <laughs> strap yourself in for the poo down lightning <laughs> my poo down is saint nick saint <laughs> nicholas Kyrios the third i cannot believe that he is donning the shameful poo down i know or poo sack as i will now refer to it <laughs> But the reality is that I feel like the guy who's ordered a sports car and received a Datsun Stanza. This is not what I asked. I did not ask for a tennis player. I asked for a Nicholas Kyrgios of everything but focusing on a tennis match fame. And suddenly, I'm flicking through the tabloids every morning only to see... Scores, nothing more. Stats and scores as he breezes through his matches without even attempting to see whether the courtside chairs are properly drilled down. It's been so uneventful so far, Lightning. And in a tournament like this where, let's face it, we don't have a lot to go by since no. Serena's bowed out, mm. I'm looking for fireworks, and yeah. all I'm getting is clinical tennis from mm. St. Nick. Mm. Oh, it's not on, Cutters. I mean, small children are no longer wearing helmets to his matches. It, it's... <laughs> <laughs> it's just not kosher lightning. So yeah. I don't know what we need to do to, mm. to get this guy riled up again. Mm. It could be that he's sedated by the constant whiff of marijuana that he's complained <laughs> yeah. about on the outside courts. <laughs> He is looking slightly more chill than I'm used to seeing him, so that would explain it. Yeah. His Bob Marley covers that he's managed in the change events seem to have really loosened up his style of play. Cue Wally Masur gag for the third time this episode, Lightning. It is definitely Cutter's stretching the boundaries of coaching. You know, this is the first year they've allowed coaching in the stands. And so, of course, you're being allowed to send advice and suggestions onto court, but actually sending whiffs of marijuana <laughs> down onto the court is ingenious coaching strategies. For a man that doesn't have a coach at all, he's playing with house money. He can do whatever <laughs> the heck he wants. So I'm a big fan and I'm just hoping that he is an active volcano that mm. we are just waiting to see in full flight. And unfortunately, listeners, we're recording this 30 minutes before yes. he takes to court against the mad Russian, Daniil Medvedev. And if that does not in some way oh. wake him from his gunja-laden slumber, then I do not know what will. I'll give you the racket and we'll no, see, how many no. times, see how many times you can return yourself also. Okay, you're... you're professional tennis player i'm not okay well it is time to take this bad boy home by looking back at our predictions and see how we're tracking into this second week of the tournament so at the midway point how are you looking cutters not great lightning unsurprisingly in hindsight disney diego schwartzman showed up wasn't quite tall enough to get on the ride come the third round and uh bowed out 
And I heard in his press conference afterwards that he's still pretty disillusioned, to be honest, that he's mm. the shortest male player on tour, mm. in spite of the recent emergence of Frenchman Benjamin Bonsai. <laughs> so really dispiriting for our friend. And on the women's side, I bet on Carolina Garcia, who yeah. is proving her worth. As we discussed, when I was just dropping truth bombs and predictions and prophecies all over the joint last episode, around the time that I picked Simona Halep as a real threat to the tournament, <laughs> I mentioned Carolyn Garcia as another great chance to take it out. So I'm excited about where she's going to go in this second week, Lightning, considering that, again, these predictions were quite firmly retrieved from between my two buttocks. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> well, I don't always feel comfortable following your behind, <laughs> but uh, I'll attempt to do so. Kat, is when I threw the darts at the dartboard, I came up with one Andy Murray, believing that in the absence of a formidable uh, big three, that perhaps he could be a threat and was surprisingly doing very well until he played against an opponent who was quite good at tennis. And that opponent being... <laughs> Matteo Berrettini, who managed to move him either side of the court until eventually he uh, tripped on the large crack, opened up by John Isner's fall earlier in the tournament, <laughs> and uh, is no longer so bowing out, but doing better than many expected amongst this not-us-open on the women's side. It was the goat Zachary, who I suggested, and she fell like the proverbial sack of spuds, so she is out. But Alison Risk, as she has been formally known prior to uh, now being known as Alison Risk Amritraj, uh, which I believe was the leftover Scrabble letters that she had, uh, <laughs> and who was also doing quite well again, Gatters, until she just bowed out last night. So we did pretty well with our predictions in this Not Us Open to get most of our dark horses through to the second week. But, Gatters, we now turn to the business end of the tournament to see who's going to mm. rise up, which phoenix will rise up through these not-us ashes. And Lightning, just to give our listeners a quick update, we like to keep mm. them abreast of all the latest developments within the tennis world. And it has been announced in the wake of Serena's retirement that the Australian Open precinct will commemorate this legend of the sport. Mm. Uh, there was talk of a Serena arena that has been shelved. <laughs> Instead, she will get a... Small show court next to Margaret Court Arena. Uh, I believe it's court two, or it will just be referred to as second to court. And for you medical freaks out there, you'll be happy to know that 2023 will see the opening of the Stub Hub, the podiatry center for players. <laughs> Which is, of course, a part of the new health hub, which has some masua, masuas on hand as well, just to get in the third and final reference, potentially, of this episode. <laughs> but of course, listeners, it is time to leave you to the action that awaits for this final week of the 2022 Not Us Open. But before we leave you, please make sure you review and share this. Please Think about those in your family and friend network who'd appreciate traveling with the backhanders for all the slams. Uh, join us, of course, on Instagram or Facebook with our handle, The Backhanders. 
But until then, if you're fired up and angry and angsty on court and struggling to stay calm and focused, well, man, just, just chill and take a whiff and breathe it in and just go with the flow, dude. And, you know, Listen just... Listen to some jazz. <laughs> Ah, yeah. And whilst listening to your jazz and chilling, just remember, dude, to be quiet. Please, yeah.